Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Mike Chu, a physical therapist, certified dementia practitioner, and your alternative career coach. Welcome to our career healthcare podcasting show, where we talk about different ways to find your alternative career and achieve both work and financial freedom. So visit our website, drmikechua.com or alternativehealthcarecareers.com for more information. Again, thank you for watching and listening. Welcome to our show. Be awesome. Be great. Be excellent, ACG. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Mike Chua, physical therapist. And yes, I am your alternative career coach for tonight. Tonight, we have a special guest. We're going to be interviewing the none other than Miss Nancy Beckley and ask her about how she found her alternative career, how to be a compliance expert, and how to be compliant with everything. Okay, we'll be back in a few minutes. Hello Note is a truly therapist-friendly practice management solution with integrated EMR that will enhance workflow, efficiency, and patient care. Hello Note reduces error and allows you to spend more time with your patients. It comes integrated with billing. Claims are generated once a note is completed. You can bill with one click and a patient portal, which streamlines the patient intake process. Beautifully engineered and cloud-based for easy accessibility, the software works on all platforms. You can access patient records from anywhere. We also offer 24-7 support. HelloNote is the practice management solution that you're looking for. Good evening, good evening, Alternative Careers Group. What is going on, my Facebook friend? There it is. Where's our music? There you go. All right. Well, before before I keep on going, that's Hello Note. Thank you very much, Hello Note, for uh, for everything that you do for us. If you're watching live, comment live. Watching on the replay, comment replay. But before I keep on going, hey, uh, go check out MedBridge.com. Use the code alternative you get 40% discount not 10 not 20 i always say this right not 30 but 40% discount yes if you're again if you're watching live comment live watching on a replay comment replay but let me just encourage you today ladies and gentlemen quick encouragement i hope you can see this if you can see it type in you can see it all right says here be yourself no one else is qualified. This is this is very timely. This is so nice. This is so good. You know why? I you know I, I was coaching uh, a person the other day, and she was like, "Hey, how can I be like you, Michael?" Blah 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 blah. And I was you know in my head, I said, "Hey," I told her out loud. I said, "You cannot be like me," and she was like kind of disappointed. I said, "Of course, you cannot be like me." Only me can be me. Only Mike Chua can be Mike Chua. And I, I told her, only you can be you. And if you want to be the best that you can be, don't, you know, yes, you have to follow some person or, you know, follow uh, someone else, but only you can be the best you. All right. Like, like, uh, let's just say like, you know, there was like monkeys and snakes and fish and, and, and the bird. If we, if that monkey tries to be like a fish, they'll have a hard time swimming, right? But if they focus on their strengths, be like a monkey, right? You know, swing trees or whatever. Well, guess what? Their full potential will come out. All right. Their full potential will come out. All right. Well, thank you very much for those people who are watching. Appreciate you. Hey, Seb, thank you very much for watching. Appreciate you, brother. For those people who are watching live, thank you, my classmate and my Facebook friends. But uh, tonight we got a special guest. Hey, Seb, thank you very much for commenting live. But tonight, we got a special guest. Let me read her bio real quick. I was just telling her, uh, you know, uh, kind of starstruck, you know. I mean, in, in our rehab world, there's this compliance expert that we follow and everything. And uh, this is the lady. This is the person. If you are uh, need in uh, questions with regards to compliance in the rehab world. Well, anyway, our guest for tonight is no other than Miss Nancy Beckley. She is one of the nation's leading consultant and expert in therapy compliance. When I was working, you know, in, in nursing homes and outpatient in the hospital, her name always popped up in all the paperwork, all the stuff that I do. And 
in the in the whatever you call that in in our our uh, paperwork. I said, who is this Nancy Beckley? You know, always like Nancy Beckley. And out of nowhere, I saw her name in Facebook, right? So, yeah. So, let's go back to her thing here. Her insight and expertise is obviously respected in the due diligence process of therapy mergers and acquisition space over the past 14 years. So, Miss Nancy's expertise in compliance encompasses gosh it's so hard to say that encompasses client representation in medicare probe reviews rack audits i don't know how to say this zpic investigation office of inspector general uh, audits doj investigation corporate integrity agreements i think she needs to read my policies and procedures right <laughs> medicaid program reviews and obviously, state regulatory investigation. All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Miss Nancy Beckley. Hey, Mike. Miss Nancy. <laughs> well, thank you very much for, for coming over. Really appreciate you. But I know I introduced you and everything like that. But uh, could you please tell us who you are? What do you really do? And what is your alternative career? Wow. this You're going to get something, Mike, that I didn't think you were going to be expecting. Um, I started my career as a recreational therapist. And wow. most people mm. don't know that. And you're going to find some of the stuff I say very interesting. And I think some of the folks in the AHC Facebook group are going to find it pretty interesting, too. I was a recreational therapist. Um, and I worked starting job in the military hospital at the end of the Vietnam War. So I work with people that had, you know, lost legs, amputations, and people with spinal cord injuries. At that particular time, head injured patients were just only beginning to be able to survive. I went to graduate school at UVI, got my master's degree in recreational therapy, and then went back and started working at Tulsa Rehabilitation Center, which was a major spinal cord injury center and a head injury center. Worked there for seven years, moved over to Tulsa, to Tulsa Rehabilitation Center, one of five spinal cord and head injury centers in the state of Florida. So I worked in the heyday of wheelchair sports, which was kind of incredibly exciting to be able to start wheelchair teams in both Tulsa and in Tampa and travel with the wheelchair teams as a recreational therapist. Eventually, I moved into um, management and administration with uh, managed care contracts. And, and you'll particularly like this, Mike. My boss at the time, I had a master's degree um, in recreational therapy. My boss said, Nancy, if you're going to go anywhere, and you certainly are, uh, you need an MBA and you need to you know, ditch that RT degree from, you know, so to speak, your credentials in terms of what you're showing. People need to see that you have another degree. So I think about that all the time. I'm I'm very proud that I have a master's degree in therapeutic recreation, but when you're but you understand how people take a look at stuff and see things a little bit differently. So I moved into finance and worked to, you know, at Tampa General Hospital, one of the largest hospitals in Florida, hitting up their entire managed care program. Um, when I decided to leave Tampa General, I, my goal was to become a consultant. And my idea was to do training and education for therapists on managed care and speak. And as it turned out, um, I started that way in 1995 and 96. And then the Balanced Budget Act happened in 1997. And it basically was the old PPS system for the nursing homes and all of outpatient therapy went on a fee schedule. So that kind of uprolled all of what was going on in Medicare. And it also stated that you had to be, have a compliance program. So the next year in 1998, um, Medicare, CMS, published in their physician fee schedule rule that um, the first voluntary program compliance guidance by the Office of the Inspector General for Hospitals. So that's the very first year that I did a uh, two-day workshop for and I've targeted rehab hospitals and therapists on compliance. And it was that's started my compliance career. So um, my compliance career kind of came out of a lot of the bad things that happened in the Balanced Budget Act. There's so much that actually happened if you dig back into it that that, that was sort of a, uh, a, 
a point in time that I always want to put on my calendar regarding uh, what happened to therapy because it jumbled up the whole therapy world. And I never looked back in compliance. And I um, had a good friend that was actually a friend of my husband that was worked at the United States Attorney's Office um, for the Central District of Florida that was headquartered in Tampa. And uh, he suggested to me that I go and get certified in healthcare compliance. And I said, well, I'm already working in compliance. Why would I need another certification? And he said, you would be surprised what it would do for you. So I went ahead and took that certification, went to an academy for four days, and then sat for the exam. And I've been in compliance ever since that time. And Mike, it's probably a lot of people knowing me has to do with age. I've been around a long time. I was one of the first people um, in therapy that was certified in healthcare compliance. And, you know, I've been writing columns for the American Physical Therapy Association's private practice section magazine called Impact. I've been writing columns for the National Compliance Today. And, and I don't focus on therapy because what's applicable in compliance, you apply it to therapy. So it's not just about therapy and compliance. It's understanding how to apply the law and the basic five fraud and abuse laws to therapy and go from there. So that's a little bit about me. And, wow. and my husband, Mr. Beckley, let me just give him a little wave here. I met Mr. Beckley when he was in Southern California during the um, head injury movement of the early days. So that's how we kind of came together. So he was a recreational therapist and moved up um, with um, opening up head injury treatment programs and head injury, you know, day treatment programs and residential treatment programs. So uh, that that's a little bit about, you know, how our family was in healthcare in in what I'm going to call the heyday of inpatient rehabilitation, which there was a lot of fun stuff going on. Funny you mentioned that, you know, the heyday and everything like that. So uh, I graduated 99 in PT school, Miss Nancy, and uh, I came in, the, I graduated the wrong time. Because <laughs> you did. Was like, you know, going down, I was like, gosh, where are the companies trying to sponsor visas? It's all gone right. because of what happened then. Uh, but I like what Miss Nancy said here, ladies and gentlemen, before I bring her back. I like what she said here. Uh, she worked as an RT, and she had to pivot. She had to change. She had to adapt and adjust because there was changes. And, and I like what she did. You know, she had to change and increase and elevate her, her title. And if you don't adapt and adjust in this evolving world, you know, just like dinosaurs, we're, we're going to be extinct. And if you don't know how to improve yourself, you know, self, you know, self-development, ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, self-education, if you don't do that, you're going to be left behind. And that's what's happened to the dinosaurs, right? The dinosaur age. I'm a dinosaur. I think I'm a dinosaur. So, and also like what she said here, uh, I, I like what she did from having that RT degree, the recreational therapy, she went back to get her MBA and it was an applicable MBA. Okay. When you do that, when you go back to school, don't go back to school just because you're making it a scapegoat. You're going back to school because you want to learn more and network with your people that that specific group of, of, uh, of niche that you're wanting to serve. Miss Nancy's niche is actually very niche down compliance. And here, uh, I like this during that heyday. And then it, and the PPS came in, I always like, uh, to say this, in the middle of crisis lies an opportunity. And she saw that opportunity there to be the expert in that field. To be, And now she's an expert. I mean, I mean, I was just reading her. When I came here, I was like reading Nancy Bickley. Who is this Nancy Bickley here? All this stuff here. Now I'm talking to her now. So, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and bring her back, uh, Miss Nancy. So uh, uh, after you did your certificate of healthcare compliance, I'm sure you're the one who's teaching that or whatever. Where can we get that certification? Is it really needed for us to go into compliance or uh, can we go like a, a, a class that you teach? Is, is there something like that that you do? Well, compliance is actually something that the government has put on healthcare. They announced that, um, quote, voluntary. And when they say voluntary with the government, they mean, yes, it's voluntary, but you really need to do it. And you know, right. um, yeah, it's the affordable. It's voluntary, but quote, unquote, yeah. mandatory. Yeah. 
<laughs> the, the Affordable Care Act that came along in called Obamacare that came along in 2010 mandated the implementation of compliance programs. The the only enforcement on that so far is with skilled nursing facilities because it's become a condition of participation. So um, programs are mandated and they should be based upon one of the compliance program guidances that the OIG has published. So when you're asking about therapists stepping into compliance, there's lots of different roles all the way up the chain of command. Big therapy companies, big outpatient therapy companies are going to have a lot of people in compliance because they have a lot of clinics. They have a lot of stuff to do. In fact, in bigger um, therapy companies, you're going to see that there's a privacy officer for HIPAA, there's a security officer for HIPAA, and there's a chief compliance officer, and there might be other job titles called auditor or compliance um, investigator. So there's there's typically a number of different people that are going to be in the compliance function, plus compliance is the role of every single person that works in a therapy company. And if you are a one-person, one-man band, you're the chief cook and bottle washer, just you know, like anything else when you start a small company. But the Office of Inspector General has suggested for smaller practices that they scale their compliance program. In the 2000 guidance that was called um, the OIG Compliance Program Guidance for Physicians and Small Practices, in the preamble to the discussion of that, they indicated that it was suitable for a physical therapist. And Oftentimes when they use physical therapists, what they really mean is PTOT and speech. I don't think they intend to offend anybody, but in the broader scheme of things, the um, physical therapy for Medicare is the biggest of, of the three disciplines in terms of services that are provided to beneficiaries. So um, it's coming back then and saying, does my facility have a compliance program um, and what do I need to do? A lot of people start with you know, reviewing charts. And I'll be the, I'm going to raise my hand and say reviewing charts is not a compliance program. Reviewing charts helps you with utilization review, with quality assurance, and it does help you and determine if you have potentially submitted a claim that is not accurate. And then, you know, what you would do as a result of your auditing and monitoring program is to adjust that and refund the money or, um, make the documentation or resubmit the claim. So there's a lot of different nuances in there. So people that can have various different experience in compliance, a lot of the smaller practices don't need to have somebody with my level of certification. They need a resource with somebody of my level of certification to assist them and answer questions. Most of my consulting career um, I have been engaged to provide go to the source information. So people hire me, you know, generally I had contracts that spanned years where when they wanted information because they couldn't find it or they just needed me to get in more detailed information on it, do more research, call the Mac, um, you know, investigate a little bit further, get a, get a further review on it. That's what I did. That's where my go to the source comes from. And there's lots of misinformation out there, even when you Google it. You know, Google's not legal. Google, you know, I just Googled something on the ABN and the document that came up from CMS was the wrong document. So, um, yeah, I was going to give some information to Tony Maritato on that because I know he's adding it to his course. So it's important that, you know, you understand what a compliance program is, that a compliance program is required. And that the nice thing, I hear so many people complain that something's terrible at their work. You especially hear that from people that are working in SNFs right now. There's a there's a pressure on productivity. Um, there's a lot of people that have had hours cut. There's a lot of people that, you know, aren't aren't feeling very good about their positions. You've got them, you know, right in your group posting that they they need desperately to do something else because they're they're wearing out. You know, and a lot of it is generally coming from SNFs. You don't see that level of, um, you know, despair coming from therapists that are working in outpatient or, you know, inpatient hospitals or in home health to that extent. And there always is and should be at any of those companies, the chief compliance officer. And when people, when I hear people complain about they're being asked to do something, 
the the in a compliance program, one of the essential elements is that people have a line of communication and that there be a policy on non-retaliation. So there should be at any place that somebody's working that has an effective compliance program in place, especially larger companies, there should be a hotline, an email address, and whatnot, a methodology for you to tell somebody that you think something is wrong without fear of retaliation. And, and many times, it, you know, something's wrong and many times something is not wrong. It's just a misinterpretation. You can see all the stuff that gets, you know, posted and, you know, people that work at your clinic or where you've worked before, people have a lot of different opinions about stuff and, you know, and their opinions um, come from, this is how I, always heard about it. This is what I learned at my last job, or this is what I've always been told, um, or this is how I interpret something. And, you know, I think that for therapists that are listening, and I think a, a compliance is a great career to get into. And one of the things I would suggest anybody do is join the Healthcare Compliance Association for, I think it's 325 bucks a year, and start reading the magazine and participating in the online forums. I just took a free webinar today that they offer every couple of months for members. And it was, um, you know, one of the very well-respected attorneys that, that I really like, and he's very good in fraud um, stuff. And he does work with therapists because I referred people to him. Um, He gave a lecture today on what's happened during the last 18 months of the pandemic with the five fraud and abuse laws. And, you know, it's very um, technical about the law. Therapy is never mentioned, but you have to understand what the law means as applicable to therapy. And that's where the interpretation becomes important. And some laws have the ability to have more gray areas than others. Some Laws are very strict liability, so um, there you have to fit squarely within a specific exception to you know be in a safe harbor. And some are you know do not have that particular standard. So I dig into all of this and and you know kind of have a Nancy Drew sense on it, you know. And uh, you know my role has been to go to the source, and I I would say that you know I operate at the top uh, level in the industry. Uh, mainly because of age and experience. There's a lot of other great people out there, but I've been around a very, very long time and I've narrowed my niche almost every year. I kept narrowing my niche. When I started consulting, I you know, did other lines too. I worked within patient hospitals and SNFs and I just kept narrowing it down to what I was doing. So um, I have a tremendous amount of experience in working in audits and investigations. And there, you know, there's audits that come about because they're normal routine things by Medicare and Blue Cross. You know, they just, they have an audit program and it says, we're going to pull so many claims. We're going to look at so many charts. And sometimes therapists are just unlucky enough to get selected for an audit, you know, and that I've, last year I worked with a couple therapists in Florida that they were near retirement and had never, ever once had charts ever reviewed by Medicare in Florida. And they just happened to get selected. And, you know, they just couldn't understand why, because they thought because all their claims were paid for 25 and 30 years that everything was hunky dunky. Well, uh, short of those claim edits that'll kick out something because they have a claim edit like you can't bill this with this, or you can only bill this one time a day type of a thing. The only way they can tell if something is not accurate in your documentation to support your claim is by reviewing your charts. So they're going through that right now. Um, but more importantly, I've gained a tremendous depth of experience in um, investigations, people that are in trouble. So there's been a whistleblower complaint um, or They've um, had another review done at their company, or they've determined that they were doing something wrong. A perfect example is um, a therapy clinic might say, gosh, we thought you could build group therapy using techs or aids. We thought all the therapist had to do was just be in the room with um, direct line of supervision. That's so typical. You, you Any week you look on one of the Facebook groups for therapy and something like that's going to be posted. And actually... That's not true because the group therapy code is a constant attendance code and constant attendance by a qualified therapist, which is a PT, a PTA, an OT, or an OTA. 
And so you can't have group without a qualified person with constant attendance to all members of the group. So um, oftentimes when people discover through their monitoring and auditing program that they've been doing something in air, they have to make what's called a self-disclosure. There you go. All right. I like what uh, <laughs> Miss Nancy said about uh, uh, her, her thing. She said she found a niche. All right. She found a niche. But uh, while we're waiting for Miss Nancy, we will be back in a few seconds. All right. Hello Note is a truly therapist-friendly practice management solution with integrated EMR that will enhance workflow, efficiency, and patient care. Hello Note reduces error and allows you to spend more time with your patients. It comes integrated with billing. Claims are generated once a note is completed. You can bill with one click and a patient portal, which streamlines the patient intake process. Beautifully engineered and cloud-based for easy accessibility, the software works on all platforms. You can access patient records from anywhere. We also offer 24-7 support. HelloNote is the practice management solution that you're looking for. Yes, we are back. Thank you very much, HelloNote. Well, we just had to get a quick break, but I like what Miss Nancy was talking about. You know, she had to find her niche. I always... We always preach that, you know, you got to find that niche. You got to find that specific niche that you're wanting to serve. In my case, Alzheimer's and dementia. We provide Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, care therapy for, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And in Miss Nancy's uh, niche, she's doing audits, investigation. And you know what? That's what she follows the mentor method. Uh, while she's, uh, well, we're waiting for her. Let me pull up this uh, mentor method that we're talking about. The mentor method, M-E-N-T-O-R, okay? M-E-N-T-O-R. Letter M is meet a need or meet a niche. That's what Miss Nancy's doing. She has that niche, you know, auditing, investigation, compliance. And she even mentioned that she had to niche down all the way down, you know, in order for you to be identified to be the expert. Obviously, she's the expert in this uh, in this uh, uh, field called uh, what compliance, right? You know what's the next letter on that word mentor? It's letter E. Is educate. That's what she's doing to us. She's educating us. She's empower. You know, three E's: educate, you empower, and you equip. She's educating us. Hey, this is what needs to be done. Audit, investigation, blah 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 blah. All this you know stuff, and she's equipping. All us therapists, and not just therapists, but all these practice owners and everything. And then what's the next letter? It's network. The key here, and I'm not talking about multi-level networking. We're talking about networking. She mentioned several associations. You know, uh, HCA, Healthcare Compliance Association. It's very important that you network with different people in that specific niche. All right? And that's next letter is letter T. is team of winners. I'm sure she has a team. You know, I'm sure. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know yet. I don't know, but I, I sure she has a team of other therapists, other compliance expert in her own business. So you gotta have to have a team. Next is one-on-one coaching. She, she had, she probably had. She said she just attended the webinar. In order for you to be able to coach other people or teach other people, you have to have a learning or teachable heart, and that's what Miss Nancy does. I mean, she, she, somebody taught her. And then now she's teaching us how to be this, whatever you call this, you know, learn about compliance. And you know what's the last letter? It's letter R. You repeat it again and again and again. And that's how you're going to find your alternative career. You just can't be a wandering generality, you know, like a zombie. Like, uh, no, you need to be meaningful, specific. All right, let's go ahead and bring back uh, uh, Miss uh, Miss Nancy. But before I keep on going, somebody said, hi, Nancy. And I, actually, this is... Fitzherbert Harry, Miss Nancy. This is uh, Fitzherbert, uh, uh, and he's got a question too. He's got a question too. But uh, before we bring back uh, Miss Nancy, Miss Nancy, are you okay? Can you do this for me if you're good? Uh, and then uh, we will bring her back in a few seconds. Uh, in a you know, uh, if she does this. All right. Join our utilization review, CEU and job prep program. Get over six hours of content taught by therapists just like you and become a utilization reviewer or care coordinator today. Learn the specific interview questions, LinkedIn profile optimization, and even free resume review and two hours of CEU credit. Learn more at alternativehealthcarecareers.com. 
All right, that is Emma Shapiro. She teaches that class, the how to be a utilization reviewer. You know, basically that's what uh, Miss Nancy does too. Obviously, she's the compliance. Miss Nancy is the the compliance expert, right? So, uh, I guess Miss Nancy says she is good to go. Let's go ahead and bring back our compliance expert. Ms. Nancy. Hey, I got go. my Hawaiian water here, so I'm all I'm go. all set to go. Yeah. Um, and go. hey, Fitz, thanks for the question. You know, Fitz is a good friend of mine. He's in Florida, you know, and I, I had 25 years in Florida, so I love hearing from anybody in Florida, have a special place in my heart for that. So a small to medium-sized outpatient company, what do they do to get started in compliance? We get a compliance program going. And actually, I said before that you could scale the program. And I know that Fitz has started a small program and he's got it scaled. Sometimes people, you know, get it going. And I've made my documents so that they're pretty much you can customize them yourself. Once you get it going, you got to do the stuff you know, so that you have to do some things. So I'll give a couple of tips that when, you know, the investigating officer, I'll call it, says, do you have a compliance program? And you go, well, no, or we do chart reviews. They're going to say, oh, and I've I've worked enough of these cases that people get their damage multiplier and their the amount of trouble, so to speak, that they're in lessened by the very essence that they have a compliance program and we're trying. So I want to go through a couple of things um, and maybe many people listening downloaded when it was available, my auditing and monitoring guide. It's no longer on my website. I'll talk about that later. Um, but it sets up a um, monthly, um, quarterly and annual auditing and monitoring program. And the first thing that people should do is number one, go to the list of excluded individuals and entities at the OIG and determine if anybody on their staff has been excluded from participation in healthcare programs. Well, if you're the only one in your company and you're a company of one, you still go there every month and write your name in and determine if you've been excluded and you keep that as evidence for all 12 months. Now, if you have independent contractors, you're going to add them to your list if you have referring physicians and they send you a referral, you're going to make sure that the physician that referred a patient to you for Medicare has not been excluded from participation in federal health care programs, which is Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE. So that's the number one thing at a very base level that can be done. And for small practices, this is very easy to do. You can query the names five at a time at the OIG's website. As you get bigger and you start getting hundreds of employees, then you can move to an outside vendor where it automates the process and generally includes other things like license verification checks and, and whatnot. So that's the number one thing a small practice can do. The number two thing that a small practice can do is put into place what I'm going to call an, this auditing and monitoring calendar. And, and it's not just about your charts and your records. Your auditing and monitoring program is about compliance with various different federal health care laws. So, um, you know, the federal health care laws are the False Claims Act, the anti-kickback statute, the civil monetary penalties law, the exclusion statute, which I just referenced where you would go to the OIG's website and determine if somebody's been excluded, and the Stark law, which is the physician self-referral law. Most um Folks in healthcare talk about the laws, but don't really understand the applications of the law because they're complicated. Some things are very, very easy to discover in the law, but it's having a basic understanding of those and making sure that you don't have a problem with any of the laws. So let's say, for example, if you're a small practice, many people um, have a relationship with a physician that and I, I in my course I give a typical example of um, uh, a spouse of one of your therapists is a physician and they want to refer. Well, they're prevented under the Stark Law from making a referral to you. But on the same hand, under the Stark Law, a therapist can work in a physician's office if the physician's office meets qualifications under the in-office ancillary exception. So that's why it's important that you, you know, kind of figure out 
if you have any relationships where you're going to take a referral from a physician that's associated with a member of the practice. And people should get good advice on that. Another good example under the anti-kickback statute might be that you are renting space from a physician. It's not unusual for physicians to own buildings and places where people, you know, therapists in particular want to rent an office from. So that might be something that you would take a look at and determine if there's any problems with that particular law. Or if, you know, you're doing anything within your practice that looks like you're paying a kickback, such as a medical director fee. I probably get, um, you know, at least one still to this day a week, somebody that wants to have a relationship with a physician, hire the physician to be, quote, their medical director, pay them a fee. And I say, well, what would you like your medical director to do? Because a private practice does not need a medical director. Well, we would like them just to kind of be available. And if we have to ask any questions and whatnot. And so really what they're trying to do is have a physician uh, on staff and a relationship so that they can have a, have a good referral source. And some people will tell you that outright, that we want to have a medical director for um, you know, these relationships. In outpatient therapy programs, private practice does not need a medical director. A rehab agency needs a physician, a referring physician to participate in an annual review, which is generally about an hour. So you don't need a medical director 12 months of the year for the whole year um, and pay them if you only need them for one hour at the end of the year. And that's what most people would do. The only rehab program in outpatient that would require a medical director is a CORF. And there's some very specific responsibilities um, that you have to have the CORF medical director do. So that's kind of another example of taking a look at it. So um, I, when the telehealth rules came up, I, I made a sample uh, audit form in my auditing and monitoring form. I usually jumble the, the, the typical type topics that I want to give to people as a suggestion that they develop. The telehealth rules were so different and somewhat confusing and complicated. And CMS and Department of Health and Human Services waived or um, stated they weren't going to enforce so many rules that people didn't actually know 100% where to turn to. And as we got into the pandemic last year, some things became just a little bit more clear. And so I put the, the telehealth regulations in there in terms of auditing to make sure that therapy programs that were billing for telehealth, because remember, they will not know if you did anything wrong until they open up your charts, because they're just taking a look at a claim. And once you get your claims to go through, and you know, so it's taking a look at what am I doing? Am I including everything that needs to be included in my documentation? And I did, I actually did some audits at the beginning of this year, somebody that I normally do an external audit for a larger therapy practice um, out in California with a number of locations where that's one of the things that I, that I specifically took a look at the specific focus of the audit. And I picked the audit parameters was the use of telehealth and was it done correctly? And was it documented correctly? And Mike, I think you'll like this. I, I like to audit on the evaluation code. And I think a good therapy compliance program starts with therapists understanding uh, a solid evaluation and the Medicare rules are different from the rules of the code, but yet both stand. So I'm really big on therapists using, and the VAL codes for physical therapy are very, very different in terms of the parameter than they are for occupational therapy. I think that's the therapist's best weapon to understand the CPT code and then to also understand what you need to do for Medicare. And if you understand the CPT code and do a good evaluation, you know, I'll raise my hand and say, your documentation is going to be good. Um, some, for some reason, I don't see that a lot of people are clicking onto that as being valuable in compliance. Are we, are they, I mean, I know that uh, low, medium, high, uh, is that going to be coming in the future or? Well, they're all paid the same by Medicare. The same. Yeah, Medicare is paying the same for all of them as are most other insurance plans. 
But what's happening is that um, most therapists are billing the low code. So they're billing, you know, the 97164 for physical therapy or the 97165 for occupational therapy. And what happens is that signals to CMS that, hey, we don't really need any more money. All of our patients evaluate at the low level. And sometimes therapists are inappropriately using the time that's associated with the code. It's a suggested time. It has nothing to do with the actual time that it takes you to do the evaluation. So a PT low complexity evaluation, the suggested time is 20 minutes. And for OT, the suggested time for a low level complexity OT eval is um, 30 minutes. And it's not reality. Um, so just kind of take that out of the mix that that was part of how they move things through the AMA and the CPT coding approval committee and take a look at the other complexities and parameters of the code to determine and bill for the level of complexity that you're doing. You should always document what you do and bill for what you do. And that, you know, that's a, a great rule of compliance. And I think that anchoring a good plan of care in a solid evaluation and understanding the level of the evaluation that you need to document helps everybody in the industry. I don't think in physical therapy or occupational therapy that anybody's going to start to differentiate the pay until they see that there is a spread of the evaluation codes the way that they were potentially supposed to be when the codes first came out a couple years ago. Yep, that's so true. I mean, why put there if we're not gonna, we're not even going to use and classify right. these patients that we have? You know, it's just like we've got we've got these choices now. Uh, let's go ahead and use it and utilize it and then show to payer source, whether it's Medicare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield or whatever, uh, that, hey, this is this is our skill. And hey, this is what we do. So thank you very much for pointing that out. So, uh, uh, Miss Nancy, uh, some people are watching. Thank you very much, Roger, for watching. Appreciate you. All right. And uh, Tiffany said watching. Well, thank you very much. Is it my eyeglasses or Miss Nancy's eyeglasses? And then I think this is Fitz. Thank you very much, Fitz. Appreciate you. Uh, I'm sure Miss Nancy says you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Mike, one of the things that I wanted to say is a good many of my clients are other compliance officers. And in compliance, there is a tight circle of collegiality where people say, I need you because I know that this is your specific area of expertise. I need you to dig a little bit deeper for me. So I have a lot of compliant, you know, you know, clients over the years that were other um, attorneys and compliance officers that work for companies where they relied on me in certain specific areas and primarily for, um, I would say, the research and the understanding and the applicability. And then, of course, always within that, there's situations that always require legal counsel. And I think a, a good compliance officer is going to know when you need legal counsel um, because of some of the, the sticky issues. For example, a good reason to need legal counsel is if after tonight people are saying, well, Nancy said we need to go to the office of the inspector general and take a look and see if any of my staff members have been excluded. So that's the list of excluded individuals and entities. And, and imagine the panic if somebody were to go there and find out that somebody of one of their employees or a name, the same name of one of their employees shows up on the list that says they've been excluded and it'll give you the statutory reason for the exclusion. And you go, oh my God. Well, the second level is then you verify the social security number. So you drill down because a lot of people have the same names. Bill Smith, for example, very popular name. You know, Sally Jones might be a very popular name. So then you would eliminate that, that, yeah, you eliminate based on the social security. But what if you find out that that person was excluded? And I, you know, every year in my fraud and abuse courses, I always give at least one case study of a therapist that was excluded where the therapy company found out after they were hired and after they provided services. And the only way to remediate that issue because every one of those claims that was submitted is actually a, a fraudulent claim. It becomes a false claim. 
So um, fraudulent is if you knew that you hired somebody that was excluded. False is if, you know, it just becomes a false claim. It's an invalid claim because you had somebody on your staff and it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a biller. It could be a clerk. It could be a tech that was excluded from participation. And that person could have been excluded for any number of reasons, for uh, a licensure infraction, for, um, you know, healthcare fraud. The OIG has mandatory exclusions, which means you know, if you do this, you will be mandatorily excluded. And then voluntary exclusions. A good example of a voluntary exclusion is um, a state licensing board um, revoking a physical or occupational therapist license. They can voluntarily report that to the OIG and ask that that party be excluded from participation in healthcare programs. So I go through that in my courses too. But that's so let's just say you go out there now and, you know, somebody goes and looks and finds out, oh my God, I found somebody. The first thing you really want to do is talk to somebody that can get you with an attorney that deals with exclusions. I, I get calls like this when it happens and your corporate attorney that's put your, you know, corporate papers together and your shareholders agreement, probably not a health law attorney, probably not the attorney to ask. In fact, in health law, some of these attorneys are so specialized, they only deal with HIPAA, they only deal with the Stark Law, which is physicians, the physician self-referral law. So you want to get with some, you know, you want to make sure you get directed to somebody that's had experience in bringing forward what's called a self-disclosure protocol. And the settlement with OIG and the financial settlement that you're going to have to do in exchange for having voluntarily reported that this, you know, that you had this party on your staff that you didn't know were excluded. And I, I bump into at least one or two on my audits every year, you know, that, that the provider didn't know about. So wow. it's, it's one thing for providers to, to find this and discover it. It's another thing when I'm, you know, got my nose in their business for other, for a compliance program review. And I discover it and say, we're going to have to stop right here. And you're going to have to, you know, settle up on this thing. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens in its serious business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, look at that. I mean, that's, of course, that's part of your, your uh, mm -hmm. role too. So uh, thank you very much, Ms. Nancy. Thank you very much, Christine, for watching. Appreciate you. Uh, but I like what uh, Miss Nancy said here, you know, you got to find the circle you know, a uh, close knit group. And we always preach that if, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang out with guys and whoever you're hanging out with, that's going to be you. And Miss Nancy said, Hey, we have a small knit circle. I mean, I write all this stuff down. She's been writing down. You got to write things down guys, because when you see it, you forget when you hear it, you remember, but you're actually writing it down. You're actually understanding it. And I'm learning a lot right now. So, uh, Let's go ahead and bring back Miss Nancy. Miss Nancy, I know you're very busy and everything. Uh, where can they reach you? Oh, before that, what is your biggest challenge as a compliance expert or in whatever you're doing? And uh, how did you turn this around? How did you turn this around, Miss Nancy? I think the biggest challenge as a compliance person um, is that, well, twofold. In, in my role as a compliance consultant, um, I have a broad spectrum of experience across the country with a variety of problems. A compliance officer that works for a therapy company, um, you know, even if the company has 10, 20, 100, 200, you know, so many clinics, is they're generally dealing with a frame of reference that's their part of the country, their Medicare administrative contractor, and the, the kind of problems that happen at their company. So it may not necessarily be a holistic perspective across the country. My colleagues tell me that's what I bring to the table. So some of my, when I have to go back to my colleagues that are similarly qualified like me, um, the, the ones that either work as a chief compliance officer for a therapy company or work as a, another consultant, we, we can kind of share different areas of expertise. Um, I'm always going to really work with somebody if there's a deeper HIPAA problem, because I decided that HIPAA wasn't going to be something I was going to be 100% deep in. You know, it's a can't see the forest for the trees. And once I kind of started, um, you know, I have enough experience in HIPAA to understand when further expertise and experience is required to analyze certain situations. Uh, so that's the good thing about that the, the tight-knit group of people that I'm involved in and you know all of them have been involved in compliance almost as long as I have you know you know 
or at least 10 years. They're, they're very deep in their expertise. So that's the circle of excellence, which I think you need. Mike, one of the things I want to, you know, really encourage people that are in the alternative healthcare um, group that you have and are working with you is to start writing. You know, and I think you asked me about my challenges. One of my challenges was always, how do I get business as a consultant? People don't want to get compliance. People only need compliance if they're in trouble. So, and, you know, I've had a lot, a lot of clients have come my way through attorneys, you know, facing uh, significant, serious trouble. And I, I like that. I enjoy the challenges of working in a very complex situation. I love working with high powered attorneys that rely on, you know, me consulting with them so that we can collaborate on stuff and on the next particular steps of what's going on. Um, but, you know, you have to get somehow get started and move into it. One of the things I suggest people do is write or speak. And you don't have to be a good speaker to speak. You know, you can do a poster session, you can go to your state or region, you know, your state PT or OT or speech language pathology meeting. You can work with a couple of other people to present something. Just do something. And writing, if I can encourage everybody, you know, about compliance is to write about experiences that they have, write for write a blog post, ask to write a blog post for somebody else about a chart review or the way that you approach something. Um, when I started in consulting, when I left Tampa General Hospital, I was already writing for Rehab Management Magazine and was already speaking nationally for a lot of different, and I like to speak, not everybody likes to speak. That's where I saw you, Miss Nancy. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, yeah. And but But I encourage people, you don't have to write a lot. Write about something that you've done. Write about a case study. Write about a patient success story. Uh, write an editorial article. Ask to submit it to um, the, you know, if your state association has a blog, um, or ask to submit it to the private practice section uh, to their particular journal, the Impact Journal. That that's the the best way to kind of put you out of your comfort zone because you'll have to look something up. In order to write an article, you're going to need some references. I'm not talking about a scientific article or a journal article, but just an article about something you've done, a new program that you started, a new way of doing things. Um, so, for example, somebody took the dementia practitioner course and now has started a unique program and wants to talk about what the program that they implemented in their particular market or saw a different unique opportunity um, to do something. And I, I, I've always felt in my career that that was my that was my way to do stuff is to write and speak. Mm. And you'll see me out there a lot. So. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Uh, that is so amazing, Miss Nancy. But before, before I let you go, let me just highlight what she just said, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you're still watching live, comment live, watching the replay, comment replay. Uh, thank you very much, K Joy. Yeah, I'm so jelly if you're you're yeah, I'm jealous. Me, I'm jealous of me now because I'm talk I get to talk to Miss Nancy, right? It's amazing, right? Well, anyway, I like what uh, uh Miss Nancy said here. She just didn't say circle. She just didn't say just the circle of influence. She said circle of excellence. When you find that circle of people, that friends that you're hanging out, you got to have that excellent people. And I also mentioned it earlier, team of winners. You know, you got to find a team of winners, excellent people. Because like what I said, you are the average of five people you hang out with. And I also like what she said. She said this word, three words, high-powered attorney. Even the attorney that she hangs out with, it's high-powered attorney, right? I mean, I don't, I, I, I hear that word from when I watch, you know, NCIS or whatever, uh, or whatever show. But I heard it from right from Miss Nancy, high-powered attorney. She has to go and talk to them. Imagine that. Another thing that she said here: start writing, start speaking. If you really want to find your alternative career, you have to put yourself out there. You got to start writing. I mean, English is not my first language. We have a small blog post. We I post some stuff on my Facebook page. My wife, my kids will make fun of my, uh, you know, my accent or, or the grammar. 
Yes, it's not perfect. I may not, it may not be perfect, but I just put myself out there. Yes, there needs to be a standard. Yes, there needs to be an excellent, you know, a uh, uh, grammatical correctness or whatever you call that. But you just have to go out there and start doing it. And you just along the way. I mean, if I waited for myself to to have a perfect English and the correct grammar and everything, I would be able to publish like, you know, 10, 20 published books, you know, and those books are just for my promotional material. I like what Miss Nancy said. It just it doesn't have to be a, a, a research project. It could be a, 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 a short blog post in your website or in your Facebook or whatever, and then go out there. One last uh, two words that she also mentioned, the word comfort zone. You got to get out of that comfort zone, ladies and gentlemen. You know, of course, you, you, you got to take a risk, a calculated risk, but you got to get out and put yourself out there. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Miss Nancy. Uh, but before, let me bring her back in. Miss Nancy, uh, I know you're very busy. Where can we reach you? Uh, you know, what website? Uh, let me show up your website here. Uh, yeah, nancybeckley.com. That's my learning management system. That's the um, courses that people that are in my compliance program take on an annual basis. And I've I've been doing them for 20 years. This is the last year and a half is the first year that I've actually made them available to the public, which is you know, kind of something I was never going to do because it was just going to be for clients, but it's been very, very well received. Um, Mike, I'm heading into retirement. And so um, I have been winding down all year. I've mentioned a couple of times I'm so uh, part of my knowledge comes from just age. And, you know, so it's a nice thing to be able to say that, you know, I've done a lot and I've been around a lot. So um, um, and I have um, Robbie Leonard that's going to be doing a lot of my compliance program initiatives. Robbie has her own consulting business. She's a PT certified in healthcare compliance like myself is with the private practice section payer policy group. And so she's doing a lot of compliance stuff and picking up that particular piece of the pie. I'm I'm still um boy, I'm still always, my Nancy Drew in me still always wants to work with the people that have a significant case where their um, a provider's been accused of, you know, um, healthcare fraud. And, you know, those are the cases that um, I like to do. I like to help a provider, um, you know, to, to get out of that kind of trouble. It's, re- it's real easy to fall into that trap. And you, most people don't realize how easy it is if, if you're the one walking by when the trap opens. And that's, sometimes what it amounts to. So, um, and you know, people can contact me through my website, nancybeckley.com. There is a link there where you can contact me. Most people will find that, you know, if they, you know, if they want to talk for a few minutes, I'm glad to talk to people, especially if they're talking about a career in compliance. I've always got time for that. I've mentored many, many people over the years uh, that wanted to get started in compliance and just didn't know if it was the right thing for them. And some of them have even started compliance consulting, um, you know, in you know, skilled nursing facilities, good, good, many of them, and many of them in private practice that have, that have gone on to, you know, other arenas. So they were a physical therapist in private practice that became a compliance officer. And then a great opportunity came along in another medical field. So they didn't, they didn't stay in therapy. So, you know, it's uh, pretty interesting and people can, you know, if they want to chat with me, they can, you know, ask for a time to talk and, um, I don't provide as much information as I used to for a whole lot of reasons, you know, in, in online groups, but um, people know if they call me, I'll chit chat with them. Perfect. Perfect. Well, again, thank you very much, Miss Nancy. I know you're a very, very, very busy person, but uh, I would just like to say hi, hello to that pill. Oh, that you have behind you. There's a, a pill pillow there that has to. <laughs> So the owls are right, well, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. There you go. But those are monkeys. It was just that I liked it because there were three of them. Yes. Is it? <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you very, very much, Miss Nancy. Appreciate you. But uh, before I let you go, ladies and gentlemen, always remember the word fast. F A S T letter F. Letter F, find friends that will push you to your next level because you are the average of the five people you hang out with. And tonight, I feel like I'm, I feel like I want to be a compliance expert now, right? I feel like I'm an expert already, right? But, uh, you know, even, even Miss Nancy said, you got to find a circle of excellence, you know, so find friends that will push you to your next level. Letter F, right? You know what's the next letter? It's letter A. 
take action. All this stuff that we're doing, it's not going to do me good. It's not even going to do Miss Nancy good if you don't take action. Take action by going to her website, nancybeckley.com or her LMS dot l that nancy beckley.com learning management system you know where and you can get all her classes and courses go take action you know it doesn't have to be a big you know big certification just reach out to her you know go go talk to her email her learn from her right you know what's the next letter's letter s share and subscribe you know share subscribe the more shares the more subscription for miss nancy the better okay and of course last but not least is letter t is teach it. Why? Because when you hear it, you forget. When you see it, you remember. But when you're actually teaching it, like what Miss Nancy's doing, you're actually understanding it more. No, she's understanding compliance because she's teaching it again and again and again. Because repetition is the key. It is the you know, it is the father of action and then the architect of results. If you want results in your life, you want to find your alternative career, you want to be like Miss Nancy. You got to keep repeating it again and again and again. Again. All right. I'm done. <laughs> again, thank you very much, my Facebook friends. Uh, we will see you again this coming Thursday. Uh, same time, same channel. Miss Nancy, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Again, be awesome. Be great. Be excellent. We'll see you next week or this Thursday. Bye-bye. Hello Note is a truly therapist-friendly practice management solution with integrated EMR that will enhance workflow, efficiency, and patient care. HelloNote reduces error and allows you to spend more time with your patients. It comes integrated with billing. Claims are generated once the note is completed. You can bill with one click and a patient portal, which streamlines the patient intake process. Beautifully engineered and cloud-based for easy accessibility, the software works on all platforms. You can access patient records from anywhere. We also offer 24-7 support. HelloNote is the practice management solution that you're looking for. I hope you enjoyed the show. Check out our website at drmikechua.com or alternativehealthcarecareers.com for more information. Again, ACG, be awesome, be great, be excellent. Thank you and hope to see you on our next episode. Goodbye. <laughs>